on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. Now, you mentioned a few minutes ago, 250,000 in mistakes. Give us a bad choice that caused some of that. Okay, so yeah. So if I'm being realistic, it's probably closer to like 600K, but the other ones I was able to kind of reel back in. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine-figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf. We've got Corey Woodruff on the King stage today. My brother, how are you? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. I'm excited for the conversation. You got a lot going on, even just in our few minutes here offline. You're, you're, you know, I can tell you several things going on, muting your phone and stuff. I love it. I love the attention. And uh, thank you for being here. So tell us what kind of business that you're in, man. Yeah. So I am in uh, the mobile home park ownership business. So real estate, we are laser focused on essentially mobile home parks and we're about to make that trek over to RV parks we close next week and, and then storage. So those are our three three main ones, all similar business models, actually. So. Yeah, yeah. I'm familiar and have had actually some other guests as well. So this will be a fun conversation. Before we jump into the nitty gritty, I want to know, I mean, you're a young guy. What? Why are you still pushing? I mean, you're going to tell us a little bit about your success, but you own not just a couple of parks. You own quite a few parks. You're doing you're doing a lot in revenue and you're still trying to get into new verticals of real estate. So why are you still pushing, man? Yeah, the only answer that I have is for my kid, you know, for me, my kids, my grandkids, yes, we have enough. We're good. So and that's, you know, as far as I can see in the future at this moment. Sure. From a poor family. So I brought in a lot of family members, very, very close friends who I consider to be family members, and they helped me build this past 10 parks, right? Sure. So now it's it's about them making sure that they are able to to build the same thing that I have and, and, and be able to create wealth for themselves. So it's like I always tell my staff that's you know who they are. I, you know, I'm not here for me. I'm here for for you guys. So it's like when things are not being done properly, it's it's extra upsetting because I know why I'm here spending time away from my family is to make right. sure that your families have good lives. So that's that's pretty much it. I mean, and there's a there's a challenge to it as well. So um, sure. I like to prove people wrong, and I don't think many would have me pegged to be a gas station attendant, let alone own all these things. So yeah, yeah, I, I received that. I'm curious to hear maybe if there's a backstory there, but. As far as the why, what I'm hearing you say, not only just friends, or I mean, your your family and future generations, which is which is pretty, you blew through that as a as bullet point number one pretty quickly, but that's kind of a big deal to have your children and your grandchildren, you know, quote unquote, taken care of. And that's a really big deal. And so, and beyond that, it's now doing the same thing, creating generational wealth for your for your team, it sounds like. My family is growing up was the family that nobody wanted to borrow 20 bucks for gas to because they knew they'd never get it back, right? And I just watched that you know, transpired through my life. And I just, you know, I went that route for a while. And then, and then I kind of just seen this, this side and seeing what it was like to have money. And, you know, it's an easier life, but with, with no less of challenges, right? There's more challenges. Sure. 
because more families count on you. But yeah, yeah no, I didn't want to live. I'd rather, you know, I'd rather live with money than without. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm hearing you say pick your challenge, right? Like being poor is challenging. Right. And, and there's, you know, more money, more problems, challenges. And so it's kind of like pick your heart, right? I'm going to cry. I'd rather have it be in a Lamborghini, you know? <laughs> <laughs> don't. Don't, don't, don't get tears on the Lamborghini season right. team, bro. Right. No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> okay. Well, that's good, man. I love the perspective here. We're going to get started. I want to know kind of how you got started. Like give us, give us the background. You give us a little bit of like the, you know, family had nothing. And so how did you get started in business? Was it this one? Did you try something before this? Like give us a little bit of your story. Yeah. So basically I came home from college awaiting a job at Edward Jones. So I wrestled in college. So I got my degree and I was waiting for an internship at Edward Jones. Well, in the process of waiting for that, I got bored and I just took a, took a wrong turn. I'll say that. And I was always kind of a black sheep kid of the family, right? So I, of my black sheep family, I was the black sheep. <laughs> That's saying a lot. Yeah, it is. So I, I took a wrong turn and, and, you know, and so I ended up moving home. And at that point, you know, I had pretty much destroyed my chances of even using my degree or anything like that. I just made some dumb, dumb decisions. Right. And yeah. so I came home and I got a job at this campground, this RV campground selling memberships. Well, I was like, I walk in, the guy really liked me and I just was really good at it. So next thing you know, I was making like 120,000 a year, which in my family, everyone would say, if you can make 100K a year, you're living high on the hog. You're good for life. And I got there and I was like, it's like, this, this ain't going to do it for me. Right, I need more. Right. So I started saving up my money and I was like, all right, I'll flip houses. But I had about a 450 credit score at that time. <laughs> I got into flipping mobile homes. So I'm like, all right, I'll flip mobile homes. So I went to this park. I said, hey, I want to buy these 10 homes. He said, okay. So I gave him the down payments for all the lot rents. And then he came to me the next day and said, hey, I'm selling the park. And I was like, okay, so I'm getting screwed. And he's like, no, 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 I'll just buy the park. And I was like, well, I have no credit. I have no hardly any money. He's like, well, what do you have? And I was like, I have 50,000. That's what I've saved up. And he right. said, well, give me 40 and I'll finance the difference for you. So I bought the park at 250 and it just sold it. I, so I sold it like two years later for about 2 million. Wow. Uh, so it's, it was a wild ride, but it was, it was something that, that, you know, the people that work with me now that, you know, call deals and they get ownership of deals. It's like, they don't know what it took. Like, so I would drive from Ohio to Michigan and post eviction notices to make sure it was done. Cause I had a full-time job. I was president of sales at that time. I had been promoted all the way to the top of the, top of the company of the, of my job. Yeah. Driving up to Michigan to post eviction notices and coming home to my wife screaming at me because we were getting eviction notices on our rental because I was running out of money. Uh, um, wow. Like completely out of money, remodeling all these homes and running this park. And it's just like flailing, you know, and then something clicked, you know, and, and I just started doing the right things with the, for the right amount of money. Sure. And I was like, okay, that's, that's the ticket. You just need to know your product. And, and so I studied every day and that's kind of how I got started. And here you are. Okay. So yeah. much to dissect in that. And so I want to, I want to kind of ask you a couple questions here, but what, in that in that story that you shared with us of buying a couple of the park or homes and then the park owner coming to you, do you is that like a pretty catastrophic event? Would you be where you are today if someone hadn't basically like ushered you into that deal? Well, I think I would be. So now that I see what I've built here, I always I know now that I was destined to do something at a larger sure. scale. Hundred percent, but. I only was doing that to make enough to buy a house to flip that. So right. I think it would have been a different business, but I mean, I closed that deal. So, it, and, and it's funny because 
I closed that deal. He said, buy it. I think it was a Tuesday. Two weeks later, I was closed. I didn't do any due diligence. I didn't know anything about operating a park at all. I just knew that people with, you know, that were landlords made good money. So I was like, all right, sure, I'll buy it. But I didn't do any due diligence, nothing. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I was in a park. So possibly, you know, I would have maybe landed in it, but it was kind of an yeah. odd. He got me, but I made it work, right? He, he, he knew what he was doing. He, he yeah. saw the park that was in really bad shape. Yeah. And we did it. Yeah. Okay. So, the, so the answer there gave me so much information. I heard, I had, I had no idea what I was doing, <laughs> but I took a risk anyway. I was young and, and I knew that generally speaking, landlordship or business ownership was good. I just, you know, you probably had no even idea how to do due diligence then. Yeah, no, I didn't know. Yeah, no, I, I had no idea. And then I found out there was oil well on the property about six months in. And wow. that was when I still was already taking courses to learn about mobile home parks. So I'm like, yeah, but I didn't want to tell my wife, you know, because they said stay away from those because that was sweet. And I, I didn't want to tell my wife. So I just kept that to myself until <laughs> time to sell. I know so that was, <laughs> I, she was going to kill me, you know, because uh, she thought, you know, for sure this thing, the ship was going down. Well, she, she got with me and it's like, I was saving a little bit of money. And then I had a little bit of money and she's from a poor family too. So she's like, okay, I'm with a man. He's great. He's he treats me good. And he has a nest egg. And then I was like, I'm going to spend it all on this mobile home park that I know nothing about. And she's like, all right, here's Wait a the second. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, so let's flip the coin on that. What's the, what's her perspective today? Is it like, whew. I mean, thank goodness he figured it out. Or is it like, I knew the whole time I was just a little nervous. Like what's her perspective now? Yeah. You know, we have nice things, but you know, we have a modest house. We have nice cars, but I don't think it's really registered to her, you know, so it is completely separate lives there as far as like, I do this. And, and when I come home, I'm with her. Right. So I don't think it's really clicked until we sold a few of our parks and now we have 15 listed. And it's like, you know, she was kind of asking about that. And I think now she's like, I can't even believe it. Like, you know, yeah. I was kind of showing her some numbers and it's, it's, it's worked out really well for us. And I think just now, seven years later, she's just now starting to kind of come to yeah. back to what we kind of built here. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool, man. I'm thankful to know guys like you that have been able to do something super cool like that for, for your wife. And of course, like you said, your children, grandchildren, all of that. So yeah. I want to know in, in this whole thing that you kind of just shared, was some of this based on like how you were raised? Like, even though you weren't raised in a, maybe a high level home, but you, you still had like this risk-taking ability or this ability kind of like want to want more. Did that come from that or maybe the lack of that at home? Well, you know, that was, uh, you know, so my dad, he owned a carpet store, casual carpets, and then he bought a trucking company, casual car trucking. And then right as that was kind of starting to, do decent, he passed suddenly. It's 38 years old. Wow. So that's where CMH comes from, casual mobile home. And then I own my own trucking company now as well. And that's casual trucking. So everything I do is kind of rebrand and rebuild what he had started there. Wow. But yeah, so he was that kind of way. His, But what I was able to do is kind of look back when I bought the park and say, my dad, he did okay. And he, I think he thought he was doing a lot better than he was because he wasn't paying attention to the books. So that's something that I know that I'm not good at and I don't want to be good at it, but I need to know how to read it. And I need to make sure the people in charge of it are pushing out the data, right? So yeah, yeah I got, I got that from him. And then, and also I used people to learn from the things not to do as well. So, and I learned a lot of stuff not to do it from him too, you know, but yeah. So, yeah, that's, I mean, I'm sorry to hear that, that he's not with you anymore, but 
I mean, what, what life lessons that, like you said, just to be able to see the good and the bad right in front of you, pretty powerful, I'm sure. What, what's been a good decision that you've made along the way? You've kind of given us a high level one of maybe purchasing that property and selling it for, for, quite the, for quite the sum, but what was maybe a practical, something inside of the business that you've done that has really enabled you to you know, grow? Yeah, so I was making about 200000 a year from my job, and, and I, I left at 30. And that was like the most scariest thing in the world. So I left at 30 and, and started CMH Capital. And, and, that's, and then I brought in, when I couldn't afford it, I hired. Even though I knew, looking at the budgets, I'm like, you'll be out of business in six months if this don't go well. And I was really afraid by that. So I, that was my first thing. And, and what I did bad... Bad decision? Is that what she said? No. Give me the good one first. Okay. Give me the good one first. Yeah. So I'd say that. Do you want me to go in depth with that? Yeah. Yeah. So, so when you said you hired, like you, you, you're kind of on this line of risk. Like the first example that you gave to us, the first story, that was you going, you know what? I don't know how to do this, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so then the second one you just said to start hiring, even though you knew you'd be out of business for six months. Why did you do that? What position did you hire? Give us some of the nitty gritty. Yeah. So I think when you get to the point where I'm at now, you need to start analyzing risk in a big way. But back then I said, I have to hire people. And I also know that I can only withstand these costs for six months and then I'm broke. Like I'll have to sell my stuff and I'm, and I'm out. So I just was thinking about it and I was mulling it over before I left my job. And then one day it just clicked. It's like, don't fail. And I was like, okay, how do you not fail? And it was like, if I call 20 hours a day, which I could do, then I will get deals. And when I get those deals, I will close some and I'll get paid. So I was like, just don't fail. And I called my wife. I had a good relationship with my job. So I told them, you know, I gave them my notice a month, but I called my wife on one day's notice. I said, Hey, I just called. I'm out. I, I left, you know, I have one month left. So shorten your spending a little bit because I'm going to save as much as I can. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because she knew, you know, that I was going to do it big, and uh, right went from ten parks to thirty-five that year alone. Yeah, because I'd never got off the phone. So ten to thirty-five, we closed like twenty-five million parks that year. Yeah, in business. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, it's, I was actually I was noticing that on the notes that we had from your pre-interview that, and and it's such as such typical response that I've seen in business when someone, especially if they have a job, I can tell you the same thing that happened to me. When I was growing, growing, and when I left my job, it was just the game changed. And, and yeah. it's, it's a scary moment. But I would even say for the person that has already in business and maybe they don't, maybe they don't have a job, but they just haven't gone all the way in because that's really what we're talking about. Yeah. By you leaving a $200,000 know, job, that, that was you going all in. You said, okay, wifey, here we go. We're jumping. Hopefully, we can pull the parachute before we hit the bottom. Yeah, And so I think that that's probably the moment, whether it's like you said, you leaving the job or whether it was some of these folks that are listening today who are six-figure business owners, they just they just haven't gone all in yet. They haven't hired that key person. They haven't, you know, 10x the marketing budget. They haven't, they haven't decided to make 20 hours of phone calls. But when you decided to leave, it, it you know, burnt a bunch of stuff on the safety side. And I yeah. love what you did, man. You started making phone calls. You just said, literally, I'm going to carry the ship. And so what did that look like? Was that just that one year, and then now it looks like different? You've hired those things out, or are you still are you still in the, the the daily negotiations? How does that well, roll? Yeah, so that's where it gets a little bit crazy and and and, and interesting and stressful, right? So yeah, uh, buy all these parks, and uh, you know I turned around, and so that's like 
My you got biggest, a huge mess now. Yeah. It's like my biggest <laughs> success and failure was in the same lump, right? I buy all these parts yep. and I turned around and I was like, what in the hell is going on back there? Right. So, I mean, it was, it was, it was just chaotic, crazy compliance. And it was just like, okay. So it's like, I, I kind of had to reel back in and it's like for the past seven months, you know, it's been a strict regimen. It's up at six and it's to bed. I try to get to bed at like two or 3 a.m. So it's like, if I can get four hours of sleep, it, it was good. So I built this whole thing, right? And then it's like, I didn't know on a lot of my parks, I didn't know what management fees was. Because again, I'm kind of just jumped in. So there's a lot of parks not paying management fees. So then it was like, okay, I fixed it. Everything's good. I mean, I could show you a graph where it went from 72%. And then I jumped in and I became CEO. And then it just went, the last four months had been a 98% or something, a collection right. portfolio. Right. And, and so it's going really well, but it's like, then you turn around now and it's like, ah, now we have this new problem, which is a management company is losing money like crazy, right? But that's okay. Cause we got these 25 parts and we were making money from them. So it's like, then I had to renegotiate with my partners and to say, Hey, once I get your money back, management fees got to happen or else we sell it. That's just fine by me. Right. So now we have all those coming back in now. So now that problem is fixed. And yes. now we are buying again. So now we're buying another thousand pads in the next 30 days here to add on. So we've kind of Love fixed it. everything up. So I think it's going all in, but it's also measured. So when I left my job, I knew in six months I'd be out of business. Yeah, but yeah. I also knew that in month four, if I let everybody go and did it myself, then I could extend it another few months. So I knew I had about nine months in total. So right. I, I had a strategy there. The same thing for the for the parks. I mean, I built the the firm. And then I decided after to build the business, right? Sure. Um, the thing that I learned the most out of it, this was stressful. I wouldn't have taken this approach again because it, it hurt my family life to work that much. But I also noticed all the guys that made their business plans and they were so organized. They only like one or two parks. And I'm sorry, I'll take my portfolio right. over that any day of the week because they want to do what I did. Okay. But it's a scary thing. And sometimes over planning just yeah. creates problems. And those problems are hard to get over. If I would have yeah. known how unqualified I was to buy all these at one time, I would have never did it. If I would have never did it, I would never know how to do it. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's that. like, uh, you know, you got to do it. And I could have found a million problems. And if I could have seen in the future, I probably would own five parks right now. But here yeah. I am today, I'm alive. Right. And uh, we're good. <laughs> Barely <laughs> hanging out by a thread. But so, yeah. Yeah, you know, it, there's so much truth in what you've shared. It actually, I, I gave this example. It's a little bit, you know, mystical, if you will, but it, it, in this king's language that we use in Gathering the Kings, you know, there's these times where you press the bounds of the kingdom, like where you take new ground. You go out, you fight the enemy, you fight the war, you take new ground. And at some point, you can take ground, you can take ground, you can take ground, you can take ground, but you eventually run out of supplies, the, you know, for the, for the army, the army gets tired, you know, the actual land that you've taken over is not being cultivated properly. It's not being farmed. You know, houses aren't being you know built if we're keeping in this kingdom mindset. And so eventually what you have to do is you have to stop taking new ground and cultivate what you've gotten, strengthen what you have, strengthen processes, strengthen people, strengthen leadership, strengthen the resources, and then you can go back out again. And you just gave a perfect live example to this at full scale. Because <laughs> I love what you said, man. If you had already known, you probably wouldn't have what you have today. And so there's this huge balance between knowing the detail, knowing that you only had six to nine months, but then just going, here we go. Just go to the wind. You know, it's like, it's about being responsible too. I would never say news, but I've been to, I know a lot of people and we're a pretty popular name with the mobile home park space now. And you know, it's like, I, I hear a lot of these guys, you know, they'll say things like, you know, 
it doesn't matter as long as the investor gets the return back. But it's like, I don't stop or sleep until the investor has their money back. And it's like, I feel probably too much of a weight of responsibility because my whole life was built from investor money. Well, I was my first investor, right? Sure. And after that, everything happens by investor money. So it's like, to me, when you know my daughter gets a new toy or we get to go on vacation, it's like, I think about the investors that made that possible. And they probably think the same thing about how I made their money better and bigger, right? But I mean- yeah. To me, a massive insecurity in my brain because I'm a, a sales guy, not an operational software guy. Right. And, but it's like, nobody could say that to me now because I realized that we're not not good at anything. We just don't do that one thing or don't care to learn it. Because I mean, now I'm an operational whiz. I know all the softwares. I know how to do it all. Right. And then now when I hire somebody, I'll know immediately when I'm being BS or when things are not being done. Sure. So before it was like, eh run it. Here you go. Here's your check. And, and you're going to run the whole thing for me. I'm going to make all this money. But I don't yeah. know how it works. You know? It's not. It's not. Hey, Kings and Queens, Chaz Wolf. I want to talk to you about something that's super important to me. We put a lot of time and effort, we meaning myself and my team, into this podcast, into the content that goes out every single day. And if you have been getting any sort of value or insight from this, we want it to be able to reach other business owners too. So we would love if you would like, comment, share, leave a review, post, share again, <laughs> all of the things on social media, on all the different platforms, or even on the podcast mediums of Apple and Spotify. We would love to be able to get our content into more hands, more entrepreneurs, so they can grow their business as quick as possible. Together, we are building a community of like-minded entrepreneurs who are committed to growing their businesses to new heights. So let's do this. Let's help each other. Let's help each other grow. And you just keep opening up good conversation topics here for us because you're right. You, I mean, what you just said is like the entrepreneur dream, right? Somebody gets in business, they go, they go this, I'm going to build it up and I'm going to have somebody else run it. Like how many entrepreneurs have you heard say this? Me, it's like, no, it, dude, that doesn't exist. No. It, it really, it really doesn't. You know, I, I gave everything to a COO and gave nice salary, even ownership in every park that, that we buy. So it's like, I thought to myself, you got ownership, you have motivation. I showed you the way. And it's like, there's, there was so many bad things that I, I held on for too long, yeah. but yeah, there's, you can't, you can't just build a business and hand it over and think that it's going to go good because it doesn't matter the motivations or the check behind it people naturally will kind of do what they need to do to keep what they have. And it's like, that's something that was taught to me, you know, in a, in a big way. And thank God. I mean, I think if I did it all over again, I probably would have failed on a few, more than a few parks. But we've, we've been blessed in the, in the sense that we, the deals that we are, are aggressively good, right? They're good right. deals. And so we are able to kind of really recover and rebound from any mistakes we've made. And yeah. we made about $250,000 of serious mistakes out of all of it, which isn't a big deal. And I paid it out of my pocket, let my investors know they didn't have to pay me back. And that in turn brought me even more investors. So it's like- Oh yeah, builds trust, 100%. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I love what you're saying because there is this, this idea of obviously building systems and a team and leader, and, and you should have a COO and you should you know, incentivize them properly. But what that, the, the caveat that you're, that you're explaining here is that you can't just check out. Yeah. Uh, until it's just so big and so ginormous, you know, like an Apple or whatever. Now that it's just, it doesn't matter. It, it literally probably doesn't matter. Right. But, but for guys like you and I, it's like, okay, you can have a system. I can be on the pod with you today. You can be here with me. We're not working in the business today, but 
they're still very much a, a keen eye on the target. And that's what that's what I'm hearing you say. Am I picking yeah. up what you're saying? Yeah. And it's like it's like a measured approach. So I let go of the COO and and it's like I, I hired a new COO. And my first instinct was, hey, here's what you got to do. Your experience, you know how to do it. And and I was like, you want to know what? No. So I actually took the the whole business and put it into about three or four different buckets, four different buckets. I'm looking at it now. So and then I said, here's this bucket. I want to be able to give you all four of them so that you can give two of them each to somebody else. Here's yep. one. Do this one well. And then it's like, bam, he was doing it very well. He's very focused. And then I handed him two and everything kind of got mixed up a little bit. Um, because mm-hmm. I was like, I thought you were doing that. So then we we kept working at it. And now he has two and I have two. So I'm focused on two. He's focused on two. And I'm the better of the trainer of the two of us. So I, I deal with that stuff. And I don't care how long I got to sit here and do that because, you know, investors' money, their kids are dependent on me too. And, uh, you right. know, some of these guys have like $10 million of their own money with me. That's a lot. So, you, you know, so I'll sit here as long as I need to. And then, you know, when the time is right, maybe I hire somebody else and give them two buckets and then I'm overseeing those two people. So right. I, my biggest lesson learned is never, ever, ever step away. And you don't have to know how Microsoft is programmed to use the program, but you right, kind of right. have to know where to click, right? I need to know where the home button is and I need to know how to get to somewhere if it crashes. You got to kind of know your stuff a little bit to be able to keep track of everything. Yeah, that's good. Now, you mentioned a few minutes ago, 250,000 in mistakes. Give us give us a bad choice that caused some of that. Okay, so yeah. the So if I'm being realistic, it's probably closer to like 600K, but the other ones I was able to kind of reel back in. Sure. I bought 40 homes at one time because everyone was really hyping me up on social media about how many homes I can buy and all that stuff. I bought 40 homes at one time. I don't know if you were around, but in March of 2020, March of 2021, there's COVID, right? And, and everybody stopped. So I have 40 homes. You bought these homes in March of 2020. Is that what you're saying? Right before. Right yeah, before, February. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So, then, so I'm paying on average 500 lot rents, so 20,000 a month, and nobody was allowed to move homes. So every month, like clockwork, 20,000 every single month. And I just, I couldn't get them out of there. And then when it came time that we could move them, well, guess what? Everybody needs them. So it was backed up. So it's right. like all these homes. So I had to go and pull out a total of like $600,000 out of my account, which brought me down to like 200K with all these staff members. Yeah. So I paid my investors. I said, hey, here's the money. I'll, I'll let you know when I get them in. So I just paid 600 and I'm losing 20 every month. So it brought me into the trucking. I said, you want to know what? I'm buying a truck. I'll get licensed myself. I'll move them myself because it's going to cripple me, right? Yeah. So I bought the moving company and it just so happened that a maintenance man who made me a lot of money in one of my parks, he did the whole thing and he bought a moving truck, a moving truck at the same time. And I sure. was like, let me buy the truck and I'm going to fund your whole business. So I funded his whole business, gave him 70% of the ownership and he is the most loyal trustworthy person ever. He's hauling these homes left and right. So the only rule is when my homes need to be moved, I come first, right? And, and, I'm, and now I'm making a bunch of money off of that. So it's like the problem came from that. And now we've sold off the homes to the parks and whatever. Right. We rec- recovered about 350 of the 600. And it sure. took, took a $250,000 loss. So it, was a, it was a scary, scary time. But anyway, yeah, we... we it was it was more terrifying because the twenty homes six hundred grand I can lose and I'll live okay, but I would have I was running out of money for these guys. I couldn't. Yeah, there's a payroll issue at that. Point. Yeah, yeah. Well, 
you're talking about the weight, like you said, the weight of the crown, if you will, man, when you got other people dependent upon you, other people's families and kids and food and rent and all that fun stuff, it's a big deal. All that stemmed back to what I heard you say is some pressure, some peer pressure on social media about buying homes. Yeah. I mean, everybody was just like, oh man, if you want homes, Corey's buying homes and he's buying parks, buying homes, filling them so fast. And, and I was just like, everyone was like, all right, how do I get like just 10? So I'm kind of helping people out. And yeah, so I was like, oh, these guys kind of went and got 15 in a weekend. So I was like, I'll go get 40, you know? And I did. And it was a great plan, I thought. But even, mm-hmm. let's say minus COVID, that was incredibly stupid of me to do. And, uh, and it was it was kind of almost half-heartedly greedy. And I'm the least greedy guy in the world, but it was greedy of me to go out and buy all those homes knowing that I didn't have any movers set up. I didn't even have uh, like infrastructure to handle that, right? So now it's like, um, you know, I use homes as a way for my family members back home to make some money. So I say, go buy a home and you get a thousand bucks. Go buy 10, 10,000. So that was another pressure of it. So I was like, hey, right. you want to pay 40 grand, right? And you go. But now it's like, they can't go buy a home unless they have a mover already scheduled. So it's like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm going to be buying a home in this area. And so now it's just all the mistakes that I made. Thankfully, I was able to get myself out of them, but also I hate making the same mistakes twice, right? right. So now I have an internal rule that it, because we're scaling, if you can't do your idea a thousand times without it being stupid, then it's stupid, right? So let's not do stupid stuff. <laughs> that I, I think we just quoted you, bro. Let's not do stupid stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Yes. Yeah. I love I love the the mindset there too, and especially if you're sharing it with your team, because yeah, I mean they're making decisions on your behalf. Uh, every yeah. day. I was going to ask you about your formula and process, and you kind of gave just gave us that. Any other discipline there that you're keeping in mind when you're trying to make decisions today, knowing what you know now from those bad decisions? Yeah. So number one, my big issue when I stepped in was being able to step back out because I was my company's solution. But once it became running properly, I was also the problem. I became yeah. the problem. I, and I recognized that myself. Like I knew there's people out here that can do this stuff better but it needed me to get to this point for sure. So, you know, basically I tried to, I'm, I'm the oversight and development. Those are my buckets, right? So I'm training and I'm oversight. So people come to me with questions and one of my systems is, you know, when they ask a question, they know just wait one second so I can get what I want to say. But then I ask them, how would you solve it? Because maybe the person in front of you is going to offer you an idea that you can mix with yours, or maybe it's just better, but yeah. I try to make sure we have somewhat of a flow chart for every major thing in a mobile home park. Like we know we're going to buy homes. We know what needs to happen. We know we're going to call the homes in. We know what's going to happen. So every major event has a flow chart. But more importantly, the system in which you get there, it can't be micromanaged. I learned that people start to hate you and quit. And it's funny, you can list out exactly how to do something. But other people's brains see that list and see something completely different. You would think, yeah. number one, number two. And it's like, you can't follow instructions. Like it would get me frustrated. Yeah. People's brains don't work the same. They need to do things their own way or else it don't make sense. So I have to give them the wiggle room, but there's a flow chart and processes that that takes place. Yeah. So, so, I mean, I think that you're hundred percent right. I've, I've spoken on this topic a handful of times, but when, when, when you're hundred percent doesn't look like they're hundred (laughs) percent, Yeah, it can it can frustrate the entrepreneur, but but really what you're expressing is that if they're a good person, they've got a good attitude, they're the the deliverable is being done. It's just the way that they're going about it is differently. Then that's where you're you know you look at the track record of of trust maybe, and and you give them a little bit more autonomy, or you give them autonomy right from the beginning. 
Yeah. So I give them a little bit of wiggle room to make decisions, guided decisions, you know, in, in the company of someone that can handle it and make sure that it's, it's the right decision. But it's like, it's like, I always tell my staff, my big line here is we have a meeting every day. And in that meeting, I always tell them, like, if you said to me, I sat on Facebook all day and you sent a couple emails, I didn't answer them. I didn't really look at them. But my parks are 100% full. They're 100% collections. And my park manager and my tenants are happier than heck. And by the way, the park just got new landscaping. I don't care what you did. <laughs> as long as the job gets done, as long as we know what the end goal is. Now, in mobile home parks, there's compliance and legal and tenant rights and all that. So there has to be some process. But I allow them the wiggle room to make the decisions in between. It's like I, it's like a, a task list, right? If you yeah. keep forgetting, but you're not using the task list, that's upsetting. But if you're not using the test list, but you remember, I don't care, right? Right. So, yeah. yeah. The deliverable. I love it. Okay. I'm going to go to the speed round here, Corey. I want you to try to answer these one word, but I'm going to dive in for, for oh, more. That's tough for me, but I'm going to try my best. <laughs> I talk. So, go ahead. It's all good. If, if you could only pick one metric, you had to dwindle your entire business down to one metric to, tr to track forever, what would it be? Net income. Okay. Why, is, why net income? Because the mobile home parks value are based off of that. But I, now that I say that out loud, I would probably track occupancy because occupancy is going up. NOI is usually going up. Usually. Sure. Yeah. 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 It's interesting to, to pick that one metric. So from occupancy, your brain can do the rest of the math on the park. Good. Okay. What, what book would you recommend that a six-figure business owner listening today read to scale to your level? Yeah. What got you here won't get you there. It is a book all about just because you're successful doesn't mean you're going to keep it and doesn't mean you're going to reach the same heights that, you know, that you wish to, you know, Sears is a perfect example. They thought they had it locked up. They weren't willing to change their business model. And because of that, they're out of business, right? So yeah. if it can happen to Sears, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that'll keep that'll keep you coming to work every day. Wow, Sears was a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Do you intentionally network or mastermind with other entrepreneurs? Yes. Okay, and why? Um, number one, I, I it teaches me it, most of the time. It's you know younger people. I mean, I'm young, but I mean like younger people that own like one park, even if they're fifty, they'll call me for advice and whatnot, and then. As I'm teaching them the right way, I realize that I'm not following my own advice in certain areas and I jot that down. So it's a way to gain investors. It's a way to gain allies. I yeah. don't know if I call people in mobile home park business friends, but allies are nice, just as nice as friends, right? So, yeah. and, and it kind of allows you to fix your processes by teaching somebody else. And it just feels good in general when, you know, when someone's kind of just excited that you picked up their call even because, I mean, too, because. I mean, when I first got into business, there was a guy, I won't mention his name, but he gave a speech and he was like, I have a thousand pets and I had one park and my buddy who I met in mobile home parks, he had one park and I nudged him. I'm like, Jesus, wouldn't that be nuts? And it's like, here we are with 4,000. We're now past um, him. Yeah. And, and it's like, you know, if he would have picked up one of my calls and gave me 10 minutes, it would have made my whole world, you know, I would have oh, yeah. totally fanboyed him. <laughs> yeah, hundred yeah. percent. I love what you said. I don't hear this very often, but I, I I relate to this. When you can give, as you as that guy would have to you, and I feel like it actually helps develop me yeah. more sometimes than actually asking someone for advice. Yeah, if I can give back to someone who and and they don't even necessarily have to be like much further behind. They can be in the same stage. 
I've found. If we're going through some of the same stuff, I've just got one little, one little piece figured out. It helps me get excited about the next piece. Yeah, no, absolutely. It does. It develops you as a, as a human and it develops you in business. And if you can pick up the phone, somebody's phone call and end the call smarter than when you picked it up, it's always a valuable call. It's like you, when you talk to investors, it's like, sometimes they want to ask like, you know, just monotonous stuff. And it, and it takes a lot out of me when I've already worked 12 hours, but it's like, let's say one thing and they're like, Okay, cool. You know, and, and I mean, one investor told me something really simple back in the day and I've stuck with it and it looks like it's going to pan out. He said, when you get multiple properties, when you have ones that can pay you well um, cash wise, take the opportunity to take the cash and keep your leverage low. And as long as your income goes up and your mortgage goes down at the same time, you're good. So it's like now it's like we have all these parks leveraged below 60%. We have good cash in the bank and it's like now we're in high interest rate times and it looks like we're headed for a recession. And it's like, I'm going to look like a pretty penny when I come in and I'm saying, oh, I'm going to refinance this park. It's 50% levered and I got a bunch of cash in the bank. I can do it myself. And then somebody next to me is like, oh yeah, I'm 90% levered and right. you know, upside down. It's just going to look different. So just that, that one call that I picked up that I probably didn't want to pick up, you know, changed my life, changed these times for me now. I'm not stressed. Yeah. hundred percent. I love it. Okay. If you only had one hour each week to work on the business, what would you do in that one hour to successfully run your business like you do now? What I do now, train because uh, yeah, train. Yeah. Okay, no, <laughs> that's good. You're keeping to the one answer. Give me. You can go ahead. Give give me the full answer on that one. I want to know like who who are you training inside the business? What what impact are you making within that? I mean, you got one hour. Yeah. So I train every day with my entire team. So regional managers and district managers essentially do the same job. Regional managers get the data and drive the data and push the data, we call it. Meaning, hey, tenant, lot two, you haven't paid. And regional manager is driving those tasks, making sure that they're getting done. So I train them all the same. And what I noticed is in business, you're always in a rush because it's your money. When you're the owner, you're always in a rush. And of course, nobody has to say I would do it better. Yeah, of course you would do it better. You built the whole dang business, right? Of course I'll do it better than you. But that's not the point. You'll end up killing yourself or not being able to scale further. So instead of rushing, even on the most dire of things, unless it's tenant safety, it's not a rush. It's like, oh my God, we just realized our well is a license, whatever. It's like, we'll deal with it tomorrow then. And, and that's how we have to approach it because you have to take time to develop your staff. And if you develop one hour a day after seven after a week you're seven hours and after 52 i forgot what it was 52 52 weeks that's 364 hours of training you know it's like i think of my mess right right there right but it's like then they're doing a couple things really well and you teach them the most important first collections and expenses make sure those are in check yeah yeah because if you don't have collections it's it's your revenue (laughs) there is no business yes okay last question here for you Corey. if you lost it all what would you do? Nothing. I would, I would regroup. I would regroup because I feel once you understand money, you understand it. Yeah. So if something catastrophic was to happen, I always keep a safety net fund, and, you know, you know, stored in cash. I'd go buy two trailers and flip them two trailers and take those two and flip another two. And I'd build my wealth that way. At the same time, I know that calling mobile home parks is free. And I know that money isn't plentiful. It's the good deals that are scarce. I learned that a long time ago. Find the deals, forget about the money. 
because when you find a deal, you can find the money. So I always tell people, if you found a deal for $6 billion tomorrow, but you told me the next day it'd be worth $12 billion, do you think it'd be easy to raise the $6 billion? I'd say so. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I love that. I love that perspective. Corey, how can someone connect with you? They, they've been listening to you. You're, you've got the mindset that they want to get after. Maybe they want to get on, in on a deal of yours. How can they connect with you? Yeah. So Corey, C-O-R-E-Y at cmhcapitalinc.com or my LinkedIn or Facebook is, is a good one too. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, you've been extremely valuable and, and dude, your success, the story behind it, the, the mess, as you say, that you've created. Yeah. And then now the operations that you're, that you're doing to, to clean it up. I, I love it. I love, I love how real it is. I think that if someone listening here today was honest with themselves, even though they might be on a smaller scale, you're doing the same things and they can get to where you are if they just apply the same things that you've already done. So thank you, man. You've been extre- extremely valuable here today again, and we just wish you nothing but success. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries, and now interviewing literally over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight, and nine-figure business owners, is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings literally exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1,000 kings, specifically who are grateful, but not done. We're intentionally assembling kings who fight tooth and nail for their business, family, and communities. And here's what we believe, that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas, that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy. So if that relates and and resonates with you, and you know that you need people around you, sharp, qualified, other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.